to speak to you this morning about the origin of true faith. Now, I realize we talk about having faith and uh, many things we talk about that sometimes we don't really know how it functions or how it works. But I would like to begin by looking into the life of Abraham. Abraham's father's name was Terah, and he was not a godly man. He had uh, lived, he had been living during a time that people were worshiping other gods, and he did not worship the true and living God. It says of Terah, in Joshua 24, 2, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in the old time. Even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. So they, they were openly serving other gods. They didn't know the true and living God. Now, this was not a godly atmosphere to develop Abraham in. But God sovereignly spoke to Abraham and declared what he was going to do, to some, that he was going to do something special in his life to direct Abraham in the pathway of knowing the Lord. So let's look at Abraham's call to faith. He did not have a word of faith under his father's leadership whatsoever. But God came to him and met with him that he would develop faith in his heart. So let's look at his call to faith. He didn't have that word of faith under his father's leadership. But in Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3, we see that God had given Abraham wonderful promises. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of your country from your kindred. Have any of you ever wanted to leave some of your kindred? I hope not. And from your father's house unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you and curse him that curses you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And it's an amazing thing, but there's a blessing upon the people here that know God. There's a blessing on us that came from Abraham meeting with God and God making him a promise. We are blessed because of that. Now, God spoke specifically 
to Abram of what God had ordained for him. Even though Abraham grew up in an ungodly atmosphere, God saw something in his heart that wanted something different. God saw that he would grasp an understanding when he was given a specific word. This word that God spoke to him planted a seed of faith in his life. He lived with an expectancy that one day God would fulfill all that was spoken to him from the mouth of the Lord. This story of Abraham's life is an account of how the word that God speaks produces faith within his people. How many of you have faith? Wonderful. I don't have to finish the message. <laughs> no, I do, I'm afraid. But God wants us to understand the power of faith in our heart and how we receive that. This story of Abraham's life is an account of how the word that God speaks produces faith in his people. In Galatians chapter 3, Verse 6 and 7, it says, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. The story of Abraham is the first account in the scripture of God speaking to someone and producing faith in them. See, faith is not in us by nature. Faith is something that has to be instilled into us, and we'll look at that more. Faith is not something that can be generated by man. Only God can speak a word of faith. Faith comes from God. It do, it's not generated by man. It's generated from the mouth of God. And because Abraham responded when God spoke to him, faith was developed in his heart. And God counted it as righteousness unto Abraham. God wants to speak to us as his people and give us a word of faith. Like he did to Abraham. He wants us to believe and nurture that word that God has spoken to us 
and see the results produced in our lives. Faith is not something that we are able, able to generate within ourselves. It's something that has to be spoken by God to us. And sometimes we have to wait a long time for what God speaks to us to be generated into our reality of our lives. Now, what is true faith? In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is God producing in our lives those things that he has declared to us. God produces or God speaks to us a word of faith, and that's where faith is generated from into our lives. It's not something we can decide. It's not something we can stir up within ourselves. It must come as God speaks to us. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, but he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, it's, it comes only from him. We can't stir up and create faith within ourselves. It's impossible. Faith only comes by God speaking his word to us, the word that he has for us. Now, the Greek word that is used here, and I know all of you love to study Greek, but the Greek word that's used here for this word, word, is rhema. It's rhema. And that's a very special word. A rhema is a specific word that is spoken by God that has power to produce faith in you and me. Faith is something that God declares in our life, and we must nurture it so that it becomes a reality. Man cannot produce faith in himself. Faith is produced when God speaks a rhema word of promise to us. Many people declare things that God has, um, has not spoken. They, they say, oh, I have a word of faith. And it's not something God spoke to them. It's something that they hatched out themselves. And it never produces anything except 
many times confusion and difficulty. But God wants us to know that a word of faith absolutely must be spoken by God, produced by God. And if we understand that, we can come to a rest in our spirit. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God or that rhema that we talked about before. And God wants every one of us to hear his voice. He wants us to receive a word of faith from him. And we lay hold of that. Now, many people think that if they believe and keep speaking what they believe, it will come to pass. But see, it's not generated by us. Faith is generated by Almighty God. And God wants us to understand that very clear. God must be the one who initiates the words of his mouth and declares what his will is. That is what produces faith in man when he believes God. God initiates faith when he gives a person a rhema of faith. Now, there are different elements of faith that God wants to develop in our lives. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, the scripture says, But without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's quite a verse, isn't it? That's something to meditate on. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. See, on our own, we can't please God. God has to speak a word of faith. That word of faith works in us, and it's developed into our lives, and then God will become pleased with our life. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Where does that word of faith come? Many times we seek God for something and God gives us a word of faith. Those that diligently seek God will receive faith from him. In, in Hebrews 11:6, again, we cannot be pleasing to God unless we hear from him what he is wanting us to do and we respond to what he says to us. God wants to make this truth very real in our lives. 
so that we do not try to make things happen by our own thoughts. Some people think if they have a thought in their mind and it's kind of religious that God spoke it, not necessarily. We need to hear God's voice, hear from him. As we wait on God, he will give us a living word that will produce faith in our hearts. We must be obedient to follow through in what God speaks to us, and then there will be the evidence of that faith in our lives. Because Abraham believed God, he has blessed all of God's people throughout the ages. We are the seed of Abraham because God spoke that living word to him. He believed God. He took that word. He believed it. And even to this day, we're being blessed because we're Abraham's seed. Now in Galatians chapter 2, and verse 20, the Apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul declared his faith came from God. It's something that God spoke to him. And because of that, he had faith. And God wants us to understand it's the same with us. We want to be sensitive to what God is speaking to us. We want to have an ear that is very alert to when God begins to speak, that we don't just pass it off as nothing. That when God speaks to us, we lay hold of that. We, <clears throat> we take hold of it and make it our own. <clears throat> Excuse me. There are times that God gives us a word of faith, and initially it's a trial to us. How many have ever experienced that? There's a few. And it, it becomes a, a trial to us. That word becomes a heavy weight in our life. It crucifies our flesh. At other times, God speaks to us about matters that may not develop maybe for a long period of time. Don't you love to hear God give you a promise? And then you say, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Where is it? And you wait. You wait another day. You wait 10 days. You wait 10 weeks. You wait 10 years and nothing has happened. 
But you hold on to that word of faith that God spoke because it doesn't matter how much time is involved when God speaks a word of faith to us, he will accomplish it in our life. Amen? He will accomplish it in our life. And we want to be those that wait patiently for God's time like Abraham did when he was waiting for Isaac. Abraham was looking to have a child at any time, but he passed time and time again, and there was no child to be had. But in God's time, Isaac was born. Now, I'd like to give you an example from my own life on how the Lord quickened a rhema word of faith that resulted in a new church building. After finishing Bible school in Lima, New York, Angeline and I moved to Duluth, Minnesota. Have you ever heard of Duluth, Minnesota, anybody? How many have ever been there? Oh, a few of you, wonderful. Well, it's quite a place, to say the least. And we moved there, and, and God had a very specific work to do in our lives. I'm very thankful we had our time there. We were there a little more than three years. And I thank God for, for that time there because God did a special work in us. One day, we received a phone call from Angeline's mother, who lives near Detroit, Michigan. Angeline's father had just gone to be with the Lord. And oh, what a shock that was. He had always wanted us to come and be the next pastor of the church that he had established in a place called Starville, Michigan. I'm sure you all have heard of Starville, the very famous place, of course. All it is is two corners on a, a, a two roads that come together, and if you turn off the main road that goes somewhere, you go left, and there's Starville that doesn't go anywhere. And God directed my wife and I that we were to go to Starville Church and become the pastor. And after we were there five or six years, later one day I was driving down a road it was County Line Road, and I was going north on it. I still remember that day very clearly. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God spoke to me and said these words, pillars and narrow windows for light. I knew it was the voice of the Lord, but even though I understood what he was indicating to me, he was saying we were to build a new building. 
Now, we didn't have very much money at that time. We didn't really have builders in the church. And yet I understood that God was saying by that phrase, pillars and narrow windows for lights, that we were to build a new building. The next service, I met with the church board and I told them what the Lord had spoken to me. They were very reticent and had many doubts. And I said to them, well, I will not move ahead with anything until everyone here knows that this is from the Lord. And I had heard a word from the Lord myself. I knew what God had said. But it has to become real to each one of you. And I, I didn't talk to anybody else about it, no one in the church, nothing. Now the following Wednesday night, a teenage girl stood up to give a testimony. And I, I didn't expect anything from that particularly. She said that she was preparing to read her Bible and the Lord spoke to her to read out of Haggai. And she says, Haggai? Who wants to read out of Haggai? And she decided, I'll read out of Haggai. So she read to the congregation out of Haggai chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go ye up to the mountain, and bring wood, and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. I was stunned. I was stunned when she said that word. She knew nothing about. She was a teenage girl at that time. And I hadn't spoken to anyone else in the church or the church board about any more about the building. But when that girl spoke from Haggai 1, 7 and 8, the entire board members were convinced that what the Lord had spoken to me was now confirmed. And we announced to the church what God was speaking to us, and we began to make plans to build. Now, we had only a small amount of cash at that time, but you don't need money when God speaks to you until God brings it, right? God is faithful. He will provide it. And God made that very clear, but we only had a small amount of cash and we needed to buy land to build on, first of all. Our, our church was, yeah, that's, oh, the old church is over on the side there. But that old church 
was coming apart. It had been there many years. My wife's parents had pastored in that church, and uh, we, we didn't have a lot of money to invest in something new. But the Lord spoke to me that I was not to borrow any money to build a church. Nor was I to put the people under pressure to give for the building. How many of you like offerings that you get trip after trip to the altar to give more? If there's not enough, you get to go another time. Well, those, I've seen those things. I was in churches that had done those things. I hated it. I hated it. And we were not going to do that. And God spoke to me that God would supply. And he did that little by little. Another rhema word that the Lord spoke to us was, the carpenter of the universe will build you a building. <clears throat> One Sunday, the men who were responsible for counting offerings called me and said, Pastor, we wanted to tell you that this morning's offering was $14,000. Well, we weren't accustomed to those amounts of money. I mean, 14,000 is nothing when you're building. But we weren't accustomed to even getting an offering like that. But we hadn't asked people to give. We asked them to pray, but we didn't ask them to give. And somebody gave a $14,000 offering. At this time, the United States was in recession especially the Detroit area, which is the capital of car manufacturing. Many of our men worked for the auto companies and they were out of work because of that recession. And all they could do is come when we got started on the building and work. And what a blessing that was, thank God. Now, there was another woman in our church <clears throat> that did not receive her inheritance when a family inheritance was available. Other members of the family had received their part of the inheritance, but she hadn't gotten hers. So during the building project, her inheritance money came through one day and the Lord spoke to her to give a certain amount of that inheritance for the building of the building. We didn't ask anybody to give offerings. We didn't beg for money. And God was speaking to people. Isn't that neat? Isn't it better to hear from God telling you to give money than hearing your pastor tell you give money? We're going to take an offering after this <laughs> message. No, we're not. <laughs> we were able to finish that church. And this is all with our own people. 
Now, we didn't have many carpenters, hardly anyone. There was one guy that could draw prints, but hardly anybody knew how to build. But we all worked together, and in three and a half years, that building was complete. It was finished, and you can see the building there. And there was the congregation at that time. And God met us in a wonderful, wonderful way. Now, in 2012, after Angeline and I had pastored Starville Church for 42 years, we were there 42 years before we uh, really went anywhere else, uh, a major thing. Uh, in, a, in a major way. But Pastor Bailey, at that time, left to be with the Lord. And what a, a shock that was to us. And I had been waiting on the Lord, and I said to him, I'm not sure that I'm able to fulfill what you need as a president here for the fellowship. The Lord was speaking. He had spoken a word that I should plan to move here and that we should take the responsibility. And I said, I'm, I, Lord, I'm just not sure I'm able to do that. But that was a rhema from God. And as soon as I said that the Lord uh, spoke a rhema to me and respond, uh, and I, I said, Lord, I don't think I can do that. And the Lord immediately answered me and said, but you want to win Christ. And that was true. I had said that. I had prayed that before. I want to win Christ. And the Lord says, if you want to win Christ, you have to have this responsibility. You have to have this responsibility. And that rhema completely settled my thinking. I had a word of faith that God had spoken and I've determined ever since that it is God's will for my wife and I to be here. And as far as I know, we're here until the Lord takes us. And we want to be faithful to do the best job we can do as God has spoken to us. Not only that, we don't have anywhere else to go. <laughs> so it's easy to stay here. We love it here. Now, these incidents did not take place out of our own choosing. But it was God that gave us his word, his rhema, that produced faith in our lives in these incidents. And, and we have many other situations like that also. 
God wants to speak a living word of faith to you for some situation in your life. God wants to give us a rhema, every one of us here. If we know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, God wants to speak to us a rhema that will produce action in our life before the Lord. Now, I cannot tell you what that might be that God will speak. But when God speaks to you that rhema, a word has life in it, and if you will respond, it will, God will cause it to come forth in your life. God speaks in different ways to different people. He wants every one of us to be men and women of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's something to meditate upon. You can't produce faith. I can't produce faith. And God says without faith, it's impossible for us to please him. Well, how can we do that? Well, we wait until God speaks a rhema to us. We latch on to it. Yes, Lord, I believe you and I wait upon you. God has to make it happen. But God has to speak the word that generates it also. God speaks in different ways to different people. He wants every one of us to be men and women of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God without faith. And God wants to build up our faith in Him, and He will be pleased with our life. Now, at the beginning of this message, I spoke how God spoke to Abraham and what his intention was for Abraham. God's people today are fulfilling the promises that God gave to Abraham at that time. In this portion of scripture ends with God saying, and in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God spoke that to Abraham. Abraham believed God when God spoke that to him. And that means today every family here that is walking in the way of the Lord Jesus Christ, God is blessing your family because of what God spoke to Abraham thousands of years ago. Isn't that an amazing thing? That's an amazing thing. And God wants us to see more action of this in all of our lives. He, get, he produces faith in us when he gives us a word and we respond to him. Now, how do we make faith grow? Well, it's a two-word answer. By waiting. 
How many of you love to wait? The response is overwhelming. There's nobody. <laughs> we don't like waiting, do we? But many times when God speaks a word of faith to us, we have to wait. We have to wait. And sometimes it's much longer than we've ever thought it could be. But God wants us to understand his way. We must wait upon the Lord to receive a word of faith from, from him, first of all. And as we wait upon the Lord, God will cause his faith, that word of faith, that rhema that he spoke to us, he'll cause it to develop something in our life. And he will give us a word from heaven that over a period of time will cause that faith to grow in our hearts. He will cause it to bring forth fruit in its time. And we must wait for the fulfillment of the word that God has spoken to us. Maybe God has given you a word that he's going to place you in a place of ministry someday. When you think, oh, okay, I'm ready, Lord. And all of a sudden, God begins to talk to you about going to Bible school. Bible school? What do I need Bible school for? I've sat in a church for years, and I've heard everybody in the church preach one time or another. But... It doesn't work like that, does it? God has to cause something to develop in us. He has to cause a rhema that he plants to bear fruit in our own life. And as we wait upon the Lord, God will cause his faith to develop in us. He will give us a word from heaven over a period of time that will cause that faith to grow in our hearts. He will cause it to bring forth fruit in its time. We must wait. Isn't waiting fun? Isn't waiting fun? But we must wait for the fulfillment of that word that God has spoken to us. God spoke to the prophet Habakkuk. In chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, he said, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me. And what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain upon tables, that he may run that reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. So often, things are much further off than we ever expected they would be. But at the end... It shall speak, 
and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. God says, keep waiting. How many of you have a promise from God that you are waiting for now? How many? Okay, there's quite a few. And he says, though it tarry, that word tarry is an old English word that means though you're still waiting for it. Wait for it. And because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Now, God spoke a word to Habakkuk, and it was given before the time of its fulfillment. God declared to the prophet that a time would come when that word would surely come to pass. The Lord made it clear that he had to wait for the fulfillment of that word that God had spoken to him. This was a word of faith that he had to hold on to until the appointed time. And not only do prophets have to do that, but sometimes people like you and my, me have to do it too. In Isaiah 30, verse 18, And therefore will the Lord wait, that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted. See, I think, Lord, if you want to be gracious to me, move right now. I don't like waiting. But that's not the way it is. The Lord will be gracious to us, and he'll cause us to wait that he may have mercy upon you, for the Lord is the God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. Many times the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to us. We think it'd be gracious if you did it right now, but it's not. It's gracious that he waits until the right time. The timing of the fulfillment of that word has to be the right time that it fits in your life, that he can accomplish all that he's purposed for us. We can oftentimes lose our hope because the length of time of waiting, but the Lord wants to have mercy upon us. The last part of that verse says, blessed are all they that wait for him. There's a blessing that comes from the Lord as you wait for him. Everything will be brought together perfectly in his time. So hold steady as you wait. The Lord has good things ahead. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 10, we find the account of Jesus and the Roman centurion. It says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came to him a centurion, that's a Roman soldier, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, 
grievously tormented. And Jesus saith to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. What humility this man had. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. This man, this centurion, was a man of faith. He goes on and he says, For I am a man under authority, and I have soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goes. And to another, Come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard that, he marveled. And he said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. What an amazing account this is in the scripture. This man had an understanding of how faith worked. He had an understanding and he believed God was going to do something for him to heal his servant. Jesus declared that that man had great faith. Many people may have looked at him as someone who would not even know the Lord's ways, but this man had a relationship with God. And he had, it had developed faith in his life. George Mueller said, God delights to increase the faith of his children. I say, and I say it deliberately, trials, difficulties, and sometimes defeat are the very food of faith. We should then uh, we should take them out of his hands as evidences of his love and care for us in developing more and more than that faith which he is seeking to strengthen in us. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ, and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. The Apostle Paul was willing to lay aside everything in his life so that he might understand and obtain God's ways. He said that he had suffered the loss of all things and he counted them as worthless so that he could win Christ. He did not seek to have his own righteousness that came by knowing the law, but Paul had vision that through faith he would develop God's righteousness in his life which would come to his life only by the faith that God gave him. 
God will lead us through many different kinds of situations in life. Oftentimes, we expect that God is going to give us a life of ease, comfort, and without trials or difficulties. Paul was very well aware that it was in hard situations that he had to face that God would give him a word of faith. And God was able to develop that depth of understanding of God's ways and give Paul faith that endured and endures forever. God wants to do this work in each one of our lives. We must not feel that God is against us, but that God is working special treasure in us and developing faith in our life that will lead us through many difficult things in the days ahead. Now, faith is not something we can conjure up on our own. I think I've made that very clear. We must seek the Lord for his word for our life. David inquired of the Lord. Whenever he had decisions to make, he went to the Lord. In 1 Samuel 30, verse 8, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Uh, they were being attacked by some foreign army. And David goes to the Lord and he says, shall I pursue after them? Shall I overtake them? And he, God answered and he says, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. That's how specific God will speak to us. Amen. And we want to respond to him. God's word came to David and he received that rhema from God and he had complete victory and he recovered back the Israelis that had been lost to that army. When we are facing dilemmas, it's important that we seek God first. We want to go to him. Now, on Sunday morning in our service, we would have a time of prayer for the sick. A father in our congregation came up to me and with his child and said that the child needed prayer. This child had been diagnosed with a very serious disease. The doctor told the parents that this was the worst case of this disease that the doctor had ever seen. And I went to prayer for them and the Lord spoke to me very clearly. Do not pray for this child. Now, how would you like to receive a word from the Lord like that? They're coming to the altar for prayer. And I asked the Lord what to do. And he says, don't. Pray for that child. Crazy, huh? I was shocked, but I obeyed the Lord and then told the father that I would see him later in the week after that I had sought the Lord about the situation. And later on that week, 
I talked to the father. I told him that the Lord had spoken to me that this affliction was upon the child because the father had refused to correct and discipline the child. Now, does this sound scriptural? <laughs> it wasn't a scripture I knew about. A week later, we were invited to this couple's house with their children. And the father said to me, Pastor, I want you to know that our daughter has had the roughest week of her life. We have corrected her and have not allowed her to get away with anything. Boy, I had never seen that before with that family. I also want to tell you that there is not one side of any of this disease upon the child. She is completely healed. Now, again, I want you to remember, this was a word of faith that God spoke to me. Don't pray for that child. I've never had a word like that before and never since. It was a rhema from the Lord. He had to speak the word. I couldn't have done anything to make that situation change. But the Lord was able to touch that child by a word that he spoke to me to give to that father. And God can work things in our lives. If he did it for that family, he could do it for any one of us. It can apply to you maybe in the future. God is well able to speak his word in your heart and cause you see it come to pass. So, I want to encourage all of us today. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 1.3, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other abounds. A word of faith given to us from God is very, very powerful. And it can do, produce beautiful results in our lives. We must learn to wait for God's timing. Things aren't going to always happen when we want them to. I rarely got a word as quickly as I did in that situation with that father and his daughter. But we must learn to wait for God's timing in everything. And God will produce those faiths. Those works in us that have eternal value if we will do things his way. May we be men and women of great faith that grows exceedingly that God has given to us as his precious gift. How many of you either need a word of faith or are waiting for a word that God has already spoken? Just lift your hand. Okay, there's quite a few. Let's pray together. And I want to encourage you, don't lose your hope while you're waiting. Just because we're going to pray now doesn't mean tonight 
you'll go home and it'll be waiting for you on the doorstep. No. It may be years yet before it'll come, but God will do what he says he'll do. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the power of the word that you speak to us. Lord, you are faithful. You will do what you say you will do. And Lord, we choose to believe you. I pray that you'll move in this congregation. There are those that have been waiting. Lord, you've spoken something to them. They've been waiting. Oh God, will you move from heaven in your right time and produce what you've spoken to them. We ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.